This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Amen. God bless you. you grab a seat. I don't know what you're feeling this morning. Maybe you're here for the first time, and if you're here for the first time, you're obviously thinking, this is awesome. I mean, or maybe you've been with C3 for a little bit or a long time. I, I, I don't know what you're feeling. For me, I'm pretty overwhelmed. Primarily, because I almost missed this. Life is hard for all of us, and we all deal with different challenges, and there are things that we struggle with and things that we wrestle through. And, you know, as a pastor, listen, I'm, I'm blessed. God has blessed me. To, to allow me to be able to serve the greatest people in the world. You're, you're incredible. But I sat in a booth in Longhorn Steakhouse, and I looked, I looked across the table at a mentor, a guy who'd been on our board. It was a Monday afternoon, early in the days of launching C3, and I, I looked in his face, and I said, I quit. It's too hard. I used to pastor a different church in Orlando, and we wanted to transition from that church to C3. And even though we wanted a transition, it was not a transition. It was more the death of one thing and the birth of another. And there was a lot of pain and a lot of lost relationships. And I discovered very, very quickly that a lot of people who attend church, the only time they factor God in is Sunday morning. So when you start changing what Sunday morning looks like, they think you're messing with God. And it was, for a couple of years, brutal. So I quit. And Dr. Claude looked me right in the face. He was one of the videos this week on social media, if you saw it, the older gentleman, huge mentor in my life. And he said with that deep, booming voice, I, I think God gave Dr. Claude his voice so like, somehow. He looked me in the face when I said I quit, and he said, Byron, no, you don't. I'm so glad I didn't. Whatever you think about Sundays, whatever you think about C3, whatever you th feel about this movement, whatever you feel like God's done in your life and through your life, whatever's happened since you've been connected with and a part of C3, I promise you, I promise you, you have blessed me and my family, more than I could ever bless you. And I'm incredibly grateful. Your selflessness, your sacrifice, your tenacity. 14, 14 and a half years portable set up, tear down. 
I remember because the church I used to pastor, we had 20 acres, almost 70,000 square feet of buildings, and we sold all that to launch C3. And I remember friends around the country that are pastors thinking, you've lost your freaking mind. Like, you're going backwards. You don't sell a campus. You try to get a campus. Now, had I known then, 14 and a year's, 14 and a half years portable, maybe I would have been like, I don't know. But listen, every sacrifice, every moment, the good ones and the tough ones, have been more than worth it because of you and how you allow God to use you. I was thinking this week, what do you say? What do you say at a 15th anniversary in the life of a church? I remember when I was in high school, I played football. I grew up in Texas, and I remember one particular play my junior year. I played in our defensive scheme. I played nose guard part of the time and middle linebacker part of the time, and I remember one particular play where I came through the line. The quarterback was looking the other way. My favorite thing was to hit quarterbacks, and I knocked that joker into next year. I mean, it was a great moment. And I remember when we went to our high school reunion, some of the guys I played ball with, we, we would exchange stories and we would talk about that. But, but here's the thing about that. I remember it, but it's gone. Let's make sure as we celebrate 15 years that we remember and we're grateful for all that God's done in 15 years. Let's remember it, but we cannot live in it. Too often in life, in churches and as individuals, we tend to live in the past. You hear people talk about their glory days. Man, God has done some, 2,216 people have given their lives to Jesus. That's incredible. And none of that happens without God moving. Man, I'm not good enough. I love you, but you're not good enough. We're not good enough. We can't change people's lives. Only God can do that. Only the Spirit of God can change lives but he's used you to do that. So we remember it and we honor God and we're grateful to God and we celebrate the life change and all that God's done, but we will not live in the past. We are in a pursuit in life of wanting our lives to count, wanting to make a difference. Every one of us early in life think, man, I want to feel like I matter. I want to know why I'm here. I want to have some, some role of significance in my life, throughout my life. And some of us, as we get older, listen, life has a way of beating that out of you. And all you have to do to miss significance is say, I quit, is to stop pursuing. There must be an attribute of tenacity deep in your life where there's no quit. And you pursue what God has for you. So what does God have for us? What what has happened over the last 15 years? I think of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. The words of Jesus, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey, not consider, not reflect on, to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, incredible promise. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Last words of Jesus to the church, there were about 100 people that, that launched this thing called church. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples. Now, you might be here this morning and you're not a Christ follower. Somebody invited you. You've not given your life to Jesus. You're still considering, is this real? Is God real? Is there really a God who loves me? You're processing all of that. And, 
You say, man, I, I, I get that y'all believe this stuff. I just don't know if I believe it yet. Hey, I want you to know two things. Number one, I'm thrilled you're here. We're thrilled you're here. You really do matter. Your future is our focus. That is part of who we are, who we've been for 15 years, and who we will always be. The second thing I would say to you is I want to encourage you to ask yourself this morning, if the people around me, so many people in this room, have experienced God changing their lives in such a profound way, that they're so passionate to take it to the world, to try to reach as many people as possible, is this something I need to experience? Just ask yourself that question as we talk this morning, because you're going to get a very honest look at what we're all about. We, we know, you look around, we know that our world needs changing. But how do we change the world? How, how has God used C3 in 15 years to change so many lives? And, and what does the next 15 years look like? How, how do we do this? I think there are two or three things I find in Scripture that are very important, and it applies to us as a church But more than that, it applies to us as individuals. The passion and pursuit of my life is not to build an empire or an institution. The passion and pursuit of my life is to build people, to build people's lives. You want a better life, I want a better life, and we achieve that by becoming better at life. And it does not happen without the Spirit of God in our lives guiding us and directing us and us responding to and obeying what he says. How do we change the world? The first way. The first thing that's important to remember for us as a church and for us as individuals is you can't go. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. You can't go until you stay. You can't go until you stay. See, we will never make a significant difference in people's lives. We will never make a significant difference in people's eternities unless we stay close to God. This this is not a game. This is not a show we put on, although worship team, man, sometimes I feel so bad for other churches because of what we've got. I'm just being honest. Like, y'all are phenomenal. God uses you. But but, but this is not a show. This is not just entertainment. This This matters. Like, heaven and hell, eternity hang in the balance for so many people. And It takes God to change a life. Let us not ever get to the place that we think we greet so well or invest in future generations so well or sing so well or play so well or speak so well or engage. Let's not ever get in the place where we begin to think we're good enough and we take credit for what only God can do. And it does not and will not happen and will not continue to happen unless we stay close to God. We are not perfect. Staying close to God is not a statement of perfection. It's a statement of position. I can't be perfect. I mess up every day. Just ask my bride or my kid. No, please don't ask them. You don't have the time to listen. But, but I mess up all the time. You mess up all the time. Being close to God is not about becoming perfect in certain areas of life. Being close to God is about the fact that you and I, if you're a Christ follower, are called a child of the king. We have a king who loves us, a God who's invited us to call him father. And so in my life, I want the default position of my life to be pursuing this relationship with a God who loves me that much. I want to be close to him. John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me. There's incredible promise in this passage. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If we're going to change the world, and it starts with changing somebody's world, it happens one life at a time. If we're going to change the world, we must stay. We must strive to be close to God and connected to God. Jesus said, remain in me. Now listen, verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If, powerful statement here, word of God inspired by God, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you do this, you will see results. If you do this, you will live a life of significance. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. C3. Let's always remember that. Today, we don't just celebrate what we've experienced. Ultimately, it's a celebration of what God has done. And in a world filled with chaos, in a culture filled with confusion, in a time when so many things have been called right that the Bible says are wrong, and so many things have been called wrong that the Bible says are right, in all of that, God is moving, and God is changing lives. And it is the church that's the hope of the world. He's saying you've got to spend time with him daily. You've you've got to remain or or your life won't be changed and neither will the world. Without staying connected to and remaining in God, we we have nothing to offer. We want to change the world. We've got to stay connected to God. Smartphones have, have changed the world. When I was a kid, teenagers, you won't believe this. When I was a kid, if I wanted to go somewhere, There were no cell phones to plug directions into. I'm one of those people, by the way, I I use maps and GPS. I use it for everything. If I've been there 25 times, I'm still putting it in. Like, I do not need to take up space in this brain. I got more than I can handle. Something else can figure that out, and I'll just go where it tells me to go. But, But back in the day, you would have to make a phone call. Hey, how do I get to your house? Growing up in Texas from where I lived, oh, you go out your street, turn left, you go over the railroad tracks, and right by the drainage canal, you turn left. You go out, you're going to drive over a couple railroad tracks, a couple little drainage ditches. Then you're going to turn right by this. It's going to look like a forest of pine trees. And you go around that loop to the left, and it's down on the right. Now, here's the problem. You'd write all that down, but then as you were driving there, if you got lost, you can't call them and say, hey, how? You can't text and say, I'm going to be late. And if you get lost, you have no idea how to get back home. Like, you're just stuck. We rely so much on GPS. And one of the worst things is, I don't know if this has happened to you, if you're ever going somewhere and you've plugged the directions in and you're following it and your phone dies and you forgot that little cord to charge it, like, you, you don't know how you, you pull over, park, pray. Like, you don't know how to get anywhere, especially if you're going somewhere for the very first time. You feel helpless. Smartphones have changed the world but they only change the world when they're connected to their source of power. We only change the world when we're connected to our source of power. Too much time away from the power source, and that phone can't do anything. It's worthless. It can never do what it was created to do unless it's connected to the power. And have you ever tried to charge your phone overnight, and you wake up in the morning and it's dead because you notice the plug was sort of halfway out? 
not all the way in, and there's that panic mode. There's not enough time to charge it now. Jesus is being very, very clear in these verses when he says, remain in me. He's saying, you you can't be halfway in on this. If you want to change your life, if you want to change the world, you have to stay connected to me. The power to do this comes from God and only God. And we are absolutely helpless without him. He's saying, remain in me. Some of you, you're trying to change your life, but you're only halfway connected. If, If you want to see life change take place, if you want to see change take place in your marriage, if you want to see change take place in your parenting, if you want to see change take place in your life as you build your future students, you've got to realize you've got to be connected to the source. He says, remain in me, remaining in him, staying connected to him. It produces confidence in our lives. Confidence that comes from God, because I might not be able to pull this off, but God can. It it gives us wisdom. It provides guidance. It gives us strength, because often we're weak. It gives us protection. It gives us power. So how do I remain in him? It's very simple. Read one chapter in the word of God a day. Kick off your day. Begin your day. I know some people do it at night, but listen, for me, I got to start the day with it. Because if I start the day just with me, the day is going to be a mess. Read one chapter a day. Well, where do I start? Start in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, it's one of the easiest books in the Bible to understand, comprehend. There's still going to be things that you wrestle with, I wrestle with. Man, I don't get that part. But a lot of it you will get. And the Gospel of John does a great job of kind of overviewing the life of Jesus, why he came and what happened. Read one chapter a day. How do do we remain in him? Read one chapter a day and say one prayer a day. Now, technically more. The Bible says pray without ceasing, but at least one prayer a day. Listen to one worship song a day. You'll be amazed. The Bible speaks so much about worship and and what happens when we honor God, when we reverence God, when we focus on for a moment God. And, And songs are not the only way we worship. We worship with what we do with our bodies. We worship with how we do our jobs. We we worship in a lot of ways, but But music is powerful. God invented it. It does something to touch the heart. Listen to one worship song a day and encourage one person a day. If you want to live a life of significance, you've got to get your eyes off of you. Some of you, your greatest problem is that you're self-consumed. And we can spend so much time trying to fix our problem without recognizing God's given us the formula. You've got to stay before you go. Jesus says it all starts with spending time with me. So C3, what's happened over the last 15 years, we don't have the power to accomplish. It all came from the power source. Let us always remember, remain in God because he is the one that gives us power. He's the one that changes lives. You can't go until you stay. Another thing I noticed Jesus said, and when he said this, his closest followers, they did not give him a standing ovation, and you won't either. He said, serve and give. Serve and give. Some of you, some of you internally, some of you even externally, like, oh, brother. Notice the verses, Matthew chapter 20. He said, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. You know anybody like that? It's not going to be that way with you, Christ follower. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. 
If you want to live a life of significance, if you want to see your life change, if we want to see the world change, then there are three questions you've got to ask. And if you ask these three questions, it will not sort of, it will radically transform your future and the direction of your life. This is one of the things you, you, you can't be halfway plugged in on. Ask these questions. Ask them in prayer. Allow God to honestly answer them and see what he says. Here are the three questions that lead us to serve and give, to be like Jesus who came not to be served but to serve, and he gave. First question, because of how God's wired you, how can I serve? How can I serve? Have you ever asked God that question? God, because of how you've wired me, my inclinations, my gifts, my talents, my acumen, because of how you've wired me, how can I serve? Second question, because of where God has you, who can I serve? God, who are the people around me I can serve and make a difference? Third question, because of what God's given you, how much could I give? How much could I give? How can I serve? Who can I serve? How much could I give? If you ask and answer those questions, you you put the momentum in your life of beginning to live a life of significance. These are the questions that when you answer them, you become memorable and you will be remembered. Think of one person who somehow means a lot to you and has, has radically helped your life. Who is someone, maybe back in the day a school teacher, maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, maybe your spouse, like who, I mean, think of a fate, like think of a name, get, get a person in your mind. Who's changed your life? Who would you say, man, I'm so glad I know so-and-so? Whoever that person is, here's what we know. You're thinking about them and you have their face in mind and their name on your heart because they were there for you. They gave something when you needed. When you were discouraged, they spent time encouraging. When the whole world, it felt like it walked out, you walked in. You didn't distance them in their mess. They didn't distance you in your mess. They were present. They were available. You knew they cared about you. Serving and giving. It's how you become memorable And it's how you'll be remembered. It'll not only change the way you live. It'll change the way you're thought about and the way you're remembered. And C3, you've done this so well for 15 years. As a church, we want to always be serving our community and giving to make a difference. The vision, the vision I laid out before you a couple of years ago about Whenever we get a campus, the the vision was that our campus would be a community center. Our campus would be a place where we would do things for the community that would benefit the community. And a huge part of that vision, man, we have a huge heart for small business owners. And if somebody that has a good business plan, we want to say, hey, let us come alongside you and help you go further faster. We'll give you space in our building to function for a couple of years, no charge, because it's about building lives, not building an internal empire or institution. And so that's happening. We have a guy, Curtis. He sings and leads worship with us sometimes. He is a full-time vocal coach, and he offices out of our campus in one of these rooms and does vocal lessons all week long. This morning, he's leading worship at his church, so he's not here. We have someone that is a licensed massage therapist. Allison, where are you? Somewhere in the room. Allison, stick your hand way up. Oh, right in the back. Way in the back right there. That's Allison. 
Allison beginning in February, licensed massage therapist. You can come to C3 and get a massage. She's going to be functioning out of one of the rooms. She's making it a studio. And so she'll be hanging out in the lobby if you want to find out more about that. Special deal for C3. But we're doing this. We're, we're helping small business owners. There is a sewing team that comes in every single week. And they make, they make bibs and blankets for people in nursing homes. They make mats for homeless people. And every week they're making a difference and they use space in this building. We have a partnership with Lobos Coffee Roasters. By the way, best church coffee in the world is right here at C3 because they did a unique special blend you can only get at C3. But here's what I'm jacked about. Starting in February, every single Thursday, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., Lobos is going to be in our lobby. It's going to be a coffee shop. So plan it right now. Thursdays in February, you want to stop by. Thank you. I'll be there with you. That's awesome. But you want to stop by, and it's going to be beyond what we do on Sunday mornings. You can get lattes and all that other fancy stuff where you put a bunch of sugar in, and then we have to bring Dr. Baldazar back to talk to you. But it's going to happen on Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. There's going to be a coffee shop. We, we are called and served to give, and we want this, this facility to be a community center where the community comes. And here's why. Sometimes life hits hard. And when it does, and someone says, I don't love you anymore, or a doctor says a diagnosis that terrifies you about you or even more about one of your kids, or you're having a hard time finding purpose in life, the people that walk through these doors to come buy a cup of coffee or to come get a massage or to come be vocally trained and all that we're in discussions with two other groups I can't talk about yet because they're not finalized yet, but when people come in these facilities and life hits hard, if they have any thought of, I, I need to try church, I need to give God a shot, they're coming here. It's already scary to go to the church the first time, but if you already know where the bathrooms are and where the auditorium is and you've been in the building, it's a little less scary. But it helps us in the meantime. We want to be a blessing to our community. Listen, Jesus, people, people that people didn't like, like Jesus. And Jesus liked people that people didn't like. And we want to make sure the community feels blessed by the presence of C3 Church, whether they ever come here or not. We want to be a benefit to the community. So it's the three questions. How can I serve? Who can I serve? How much can I give? Have you ever, have you ever tried painting your house with a hammer? Have you ever tried driving a nail with a sheet of paper? That, that's not how a hammer or a sheet of paper work. You, you could paint your house with a hammer, I suppose, but it's going to take a lot longer and it's not going to look very good. You'll be frustrated. You'll be tired. You'll be angry. No matter how much money you have in the bank or what your title is or what you've accomplished in life, because you're trying to force something to work in a way that it was not created to work. And that's what so many people do in life. You want significance, you want happiness, you want purpose, you want meaning, but you're, you're chasing things, trying to get them to force, force them to work in a way that provides those things to you when only God can provide it to you. And he said, the way you find it, Jesus said, if you want to be great, serve. It's about serving and it's about giving. So how can I serve and give? How, how can I change the world? It's happening one life at a time. It's happening because so many of you decided to serve and to give. And without serving and without giving, C3 would not exist. So if you've been with C3 a while, I want to ask you this question. If everybody served the way you serve and gave the way you give, would we exist? Are you riding in a kind of comfortable, lazy Christianity where you ride on what other people do? Without serving, without giving 2,216 people 
in Central Florida would not know Jesus in a personal way today. Without serving and without giving, 2,216 people would still be living in and headed to a place called hell. Nothing matters more. I was eight years old and Mr. Best was my Sunday school teacher. He didn't have any hair and he was missing about half his teeth. But he showed up every Sunday. Initially, I was kind of scared. I was eight years old, but, but I learned, okay, that's not going to happen to me for a long time. God, God thought that was funny. But <laughs> Mr. Best was the first person I can remember that helped the Bible come alive in a Bible study class. And I didn't give my life to Jesus when I was eight years old, but Mr. Best planted some things inside me that later another Bible study teacher when I was in high school followed up on that conversation, and I ended up giving my life to Jesus my junior year of high school. But I got to tell you this. Mr. Best is forever connected to every single one of you. And if Mr. Best doesn't serve where an eight-year-old kid comes into his class for a few months, there's no C3. What you do when you serve makes so much more of a difference than anything I could ever do. See, I don't know if you know this, but I, I'm, I'm kind of viewed as the paid salesman. Like I say things and people think, oh, you're the pastor, you're supposed to say that. But when, when you give your time, when you serve, when you give your resources, when you make a difference, you're the satisfied customer. You're the one that adds credibility to what God is doing in the life of the church. And so there are a whole lot of Mr. Best all around this congregation, and I am forever grateful. And you have no idea the ripple effect of your serving and the difference you make and the lives it's impacting and what it's going to look like in 20 or 30 years. It's interesting. The Bible talks about tithing, serving, and giving. And why did God set up tithing through the local church? Why did he say, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, bring the first 10% to the local church. If you're not doing that, you're robbing God. And I found that the only people that ever get mad when I talk about money are people that rob God. It's just, that's just how it goes. But the reality is, why would God set it up like that? Why would he do that? I think it's because the church is the hope of the world. The church deals with now things and eternal things. And we can do far more together than we could ever do alone. When I think about what you've done over 15 years, over 310,000 meals paid for and given to people in need, hundreds and hundreds of backpacks filled with supplies for students going to school that had no way to get supplies and their families don't have the means to do that. I could go on and on. The differences that you've made and what you've done, the big deal, 2,216 people know Jesus and are headed to heaven. So if we want to remain in him, the next 15 years, what's it going to look like? You can't go until you stay. You've got to serve and give in the third one. The last one, invite like next Sunday is the last Sunday. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. What are they talking about? Consider their threats, enable us to speak with great boldness. The authorities had come in and basically said in that culture in that day, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. You, you've got to shut up and sit down. You can have your faith, but it's got to be a private faith. Don't you ever talk about Jesus. If you talk about Jesus again anywhere, the workplace, your neighborhood, the classroom, on the ball field, if you talk about Jesus, you will be arrested and you will be killed. It is a death sentence if you're going to talk about Jesus at all. Now, and they, as a result of that kind of threat that was serious, they prayed. I would pray too. Like if they said, hey, you can't talk about Jesus anymore or you'll be arrested and we'll kill you. Man, I, I would pray, but, but I got to be honest. I'm afraid that most of the time in my life, what I would pray for is protection. 
I'd say, God, you know what's going on? It's really tough right here. America's lost its freaking mind, which that's pretty true. But, but God, I, I need your help, man. Please protect me. Please protect my family. Notice what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They didn't turn it down. They turned it up. Because God had changed their lives. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. If you want to see things shaken up, you might have to try praying different kinds of prayers than what you've prayed. Because so many of our prayers are just self-seeking. What if we shifted and, and self-seeking, God tells us to cast all our cares on him. God tells us to communicate with him about our concerns. But why is it that if our lives have been changed by the power of God and the sacrifice of Jesus and what he's done for us, why are we so focused on ourselves and not on people that don't know God and are living in or going to a place called hell? Like if we've got the answer, if you had the cure for cancer and you never told anybody, I can't think of anything worse. And you have the cure for loneliness. You have the cure for isolation. You have the cure for those that feel like they're inadequate. You have the cure for eternity. You have the cure for the things that we feel ashamed about. And we have got to share it. You've got to invite like next Sunday is the last Sunday. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What if we stop praying those self-serving prayers as much and begin to pray, God, today, this week, make me dangerous for you. Make me hell's number one enemy. Use me to change somebody's life by inviting them to C3 or leading them to Jesus. So I need to ask you, in 2023, the year of our 15th anniversary, who will meet Jesus this year because of your boldness? We meet about 50 Sundays a year. That's 50 opportunities. How in the world can we go through a week saying that I know God, Jesus has changed my life, and ignore the opportunity to invite the coworker, the classmate, the neighbor, the family member, the work associate? Hey, listen, we have opportunities every single week, and we need to invite, like next Sunday is the last Sunday, because next Sunday, it's some people's last Sunday. Why do we do this? Why do we do what we do? We talk a lot about how to have peace and how to live your purpose and how to experience joy. We talk about not missing the life God created you to live all the time. We talk about putting Jesus first financially and experiencing the blessings of God. But please understand why we do what we do is not ultimately about what we're going to get from God. It's about getting every person we know to God. It's not about what God's going to do for us. He's made a lot of promises, but it's more about what God's going to do through us in impacting lives because the only thing that's going to matter 100 years from now is whether or not you're in heaven and who's there with you. So as we celebrate the first 15 years of C3 and we look into the next 15 years, the goal is not to become comfortable or happy in life. The goal is for us to be considered by Satan as his number one threat because of how many people you're reaching for Jesus because of how generously you're funding life change, because of how passionately you serve others through C3 and how tenaciously you pray for and seize opportunities to love God and love others. If you're a follower of Christ, your calling is, is not just to live a good life. Your calling is to change the world. The church is the hope of the world. This, this place, this is Hope City. 
The church is the hope of the world. We've seen 2,216 people give their lives to Jesus in 15 years. I can't wait for the year where we see 2,216 people give their lives to Jesus in one year because you just don't stop inviting, because you don't stop loving, because you care. Every single person you and I like eyes with is deeply loved by God. And I don't want anybody standing in eternity headed to hell thinking, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you just invite me? Shouldn't we be willing to risk a little bit of awkwardness? And listen, don't, don't be obnoxious when you invite. Nobody likes that. Hey, I go to C3 Church. I love it. God's used it in a huge way in my life. I, I think you'd get a lot out of it. Just try it once. Man, every single week we need to be inviting. If 100 people prayed when Jesus went back to heaven, God make us bold. It's about 100 people. That's what started the church, and today, 2.4 billion. If 100 people prayed that, and you look at what's happened, what would happen if all of us, what would happen if hundreds of us that are a part of C3 began to pray, God, make us bold this week. Help us to love people the way you do. Help us to see people the way you do. Let nobody be unimportant to us. Let's go after people. I love what's happened in 15 years, and I'm so excited to see what's going to happen in the next. And the next 15 years begins right now. Some of you, today is your day. You know that you need a relationship with Jesus. You know in your heart of hearts that you need to take a step of faith. And you need to give your life to Jesus. And you're not even sure what all that's going to look like. You just know that you want God to forgive your sin. That you want to know for sure that you've got a home in heaven. And that you need the Spirit of God living in your life in this life. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's the step you need to take, I can't think of a better day than today. I can't think of a better moment than right now because the next 15 years begins right now. The rest of your life begins right now. If that's the step you need to take, just pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in your heart. If you'd like to know God in a personal way, have your sins forgiven, a home in heaven and the Spirit of God living inside you, pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.